it's Paul Scott here, UK small caps investor, commentator and writer of the Stockopedia Small Cap Value Reports with Graham Neary and occasional help from Roland Head. Uh, I'm coming at you this morning at 20 past 10 on the 28th of January 2024. Sorry I didn't do a podcast yesterday on Saturday, but I've um, I've been in bed actually with a tummy bug for a couple of days, so uh, still not feeling 100%, but sufficiently effervescent to be able to do a podcast that's the main thing (laughs) ridiculously busy week again this week so I'll just launch into all the companies we had about 12 companies reporting on Monday the 22nd of January we covered all of them actually um, but some we did on Tuesday and Wednesday so running through the main sections just summarising our reports Um, XP Factory now I do have a small position in this personally um, this is the experiential leisure bars where you play games like axe throwing and augmented reality dart. It's really good fun. Um, core customers are 25 to 35. Now, it put out a trading update for Christmas that was very strong, you know, tremendously positive like for likes. But if you bear in mind that a lot of the sites were opened in late 2022, they did an absolutely crazy dash for growth. So I think there's little doubt that the sites would have been um, very much in the build phase in 2022. Therefore, you would expect them to deliver much stronger like-for-likes in 2023. But even so, really impressive numbers from XP Factory. What I'm less impressed with is the fact they're not making any profit. It's no good telling us all these KPIs and how wonderful everything is. Uh, I like the CEO very much. He's a great guy, but, you know, always talks um, a positive story. And the bottom line, it doesn't make any money, and it should be making money by now. So that is my only slight um, worry with XPF. You get a lot of business for the money now, you know. At 16p, it's only 27 million market cap. But they've got, uh, oh, I haven't got the figure to hand, but, it's you know, it's a significant business now. And some of their sites are doing one, two... Uh, three million a year individual sites one of them is doing a lot more than that i believe the london one um so it's a significant business and it's doing something different this is the thing there are lots of bars out there that have got no points of difference what i like about experiential leisure where you play games and do other pursuits whilst drinking is that they are very very good for team building for corporates uh, and it's just something different not just standing around in a bar feeling awkward talking to work colleagues um, and then one or two people getting inappropriately drunk and all the rest of it. Um, And no, that's not always me. (laughs) But anyway, so look, I think XP Factory is looking interesting again. I'm toying with the idea of starting to increase my position in that. The big unknown, though, of course, with bar and hospitality hotels and so on, is that they they spend sort of typically 30 to 35 percent of their money on relatively low paid wages. That's a percentage of revenue. So, of course, they're really going to be hit hard by the April 9 or 10 percent increase in living wage. We don't yet know how that's going to pan out because it will also increase um, the uh, consumer demand of course because the consumers who go to these bars the younger customers will have more money because you get you know a a domino effect don't you from the bottom up basically when living wage rises the the upper wage levels also rise so I don't know how it's going to pan out with XP Factory, but I do think it's starting to look interesting again. The market's not giving it any credit for the tremendous progress that's been made over the last sort of 18 months. Massive expansion of site numbers, and they seem to be doing a good job. So I'm, I'm, I am, as I say, I'm weighing up whether to um, go, ben- go back into that one with a more sizable position or not. 
So um, let me know what you think. Um, you know, there, there is the question, though, that it's not actually making any money at the moment, whereas the big pub chains generally are profitable again, although not particularly uh, strong margins on the bigger pub groups. Now, what do we have? So, yeah, I'm amber green on XP Factory to say that I'm moderately positive. Could be interesting, I think. But well, as always, do your own research. And as always, I really want to emphasise all we're doing is reviewing shares on a particular day based on the facts, figures and forecasts on that day. We're not, you know, all hail the oracle, you know, we can predict the future. We're not saying that. We're only assessing it on a particular day. And from that day onwards, then from the next day onwards, things will start changing that we don't necessarily know about. So, you know... We can only give our best view of it as it stands on that day. We're not necessarily um, telling you or even in guessing which shares might do well in future. We just don't know. Um, but I find generally if I buy things that are soundly financed, that are performing reasonably well and reasonably priced, I tend to do all right on them um, most years. OK, moving on. Try fast. This is a black. So this is a profit warning. TRI. This is the Industrial Couplings Group that has facilities all over the world. I just, I'm starting to think, you know, it's just not a very good business. The shares have been in a downtrend now for five years. They've gone down from £2.72 to about 72 So they lost £2 of, of shareholder value. That's, what's that? That's getting on for 80%, not far off. <coughs> it seems to, over the last five years, yes, they've had the pandemic and then the energy crisis to cope with. So all businesses have. You talk to a lot of company CEOs and CFOs and they said, we don't know what normal is. We're permanently dealing with uh, supply chain crises, all sorts of other crises. Which is good in a way, because it means the companies that have survived, which is nearly everybody on the listed companies, you know, they're adaptable. They um, <clears throat> they they can cope with change. But I think with TriFast, I'm just increasingly thinking, I just don't think this is a very good business. Anyway, I've called it here a stinker of a profit warning. Um, they're slashing March 24 forecasts. So that's only, what, the year ends only two months away. They've slashed, or the brokers slashed adjusted PBT by 46%. That's a hell of a downgrade to happen in the last two months of the financial year. Um, now, it only discloses operating profit because it's got hefty finance costs. The leverage to the PBT, which I worked out myself, is, is greater. So 46% drop. I think that's. Uh, I think this thing's got problems. It's um, try fast. It's uh, the balance sheet is strong, although I've commented for a year or two that inventories are way too high. Excuse me. So they need to get those inventories down. And the outlook sounds grim as well. So I can't see any attractions to try fast. I think, you know, maybe at some point it'll be a good turnaround. But it's a perpetual turnaround. And it's been in a downtrend for five years. So I'm, as I say, I'm increasingly coming around to the view. I just don't think it's a very good business. Um, next, I looked at Midwich, M-I-D-W. This was from the previous week. I'm amber green on this. I think it's quite good. Uh, inline trading update for 2023, despite challenging market conditions. This is the audiovisual equipment distributor. Very big revenues, but low gross margins. I suspect they might be absorbing a lot of administrative and distribution costs into the gross margin, though. Because distributors, it tends to pay to report low gross margins. Then your manufacturing partners and your customers think you're not making much money and it's better that way around when it comes to negotiating with them. <clears throat> but that's only my hunch. What have I said here? Uh, yeah, it's got a nice yield, Midwich has, and it's on a low PE. 
I think uh, I can't get particularly excited about the business, but I've said here it could be worth a closer look. Although, obviously, I don't know how, how 2024 will pan out, but Midwich, I think, yeah, it's worth you having a look at, I'd say. Make up your own mind and let me know what you think. Next, I looked at... Co- no, sorry, Graham looked at Cooth, K-O-O. This is the mental health uh, app thing that won very impressive contracts in America, in California. Particularly, I think, for teenagers, it has various uh, facilities on this app to help them with their mental health, because everyone's gone crazy since the lockdowns. Um, as you know, um, <clears throat> hardly surprising, really, is it? Locking people down. A terrible mistake, I think. Anyway, um, trading update, trading statement. Graham says he softened his stance on it, so he's gone from negative to neutral. I think that's fair, because it has got very impressive contracts. We don't really know if it's going to actually make any money, though, or what longevity those contracts have. So 105 million market cap, I think, is enough. But, you know, it's... Um, it looks interesting, Cooth does. <clears throat> and what have we got here? Um, finally, Graham looked at City of London Investment, CLIG. What an interesting company this was. I remember reading Graham's section on this and thinking, gosh, that does look interesting. It put out a six-month trading update. He's amber on it, but I think I'd probably be lean. He knows it better than I do, so I defer to his uh, sector knowledge. But I think I would probably be leaning more towards... Um, Amber Green, myself, on City of London Investment. It's um, It invests in closed-end uh, investment funds, um, and it seems to be, have a specialist niche in that area, <coughs> and it pays out huge dividends, which look um, pretty secure, actually. I think the dividend yields slightly over 10%. So And it's got a good long-term track record. So I think for income seekers, have a look at CLIG, because, as I say, Graham's only amber. But I think it's maybe uh, potentially worth a closer look. Now, those of, the, those of you who do subscribe to Stockpedia, thank you very much, the people who do. We're very grateful for your support. You'll know that I've improved the format of the Small Cap Value Reports a lot this year. We're now putting in this um, agenda at the top. It's a table where we put in pretty much everything that's reporting on the day. And we, and we make, even if it's just a, a, a short comment saying trading update in line, we put something in about practically everything. So uh, I think that's a really good innovation. People seem to like it. So running through the list um, uh, oh I think I marked done against them when I covered them so Alpha Wave IP did an inline update I must have covered that on Tuesday that rose 16% benchmark put itself up for sale I've never understood why that's valued so highly that's the thing that does um, treatments for, for fish um, and never makes any money, but it's valued at 260 million. God knows why. Anyway, the management seem to think it's cheap. I think it's expensive, but maybe I'm missing something, so I don't like Benchmark, and I'll be glad to see the back of it if somebody does buy it. Uh, S4 Capital I looked at on Wednesday. That was a trading update. Aptitude Software I looked at it Wednesday. City of London, we covered. Trifast, Cooth, we covered. Now, World Chess, I did on Wednesday. Uh, basically, don't waste your time on it, is my view. Maintel, I also looked on Wednesday, which did it. These are all the things that put out trading updates on Monday. Now, Smart Software, uh, SMRT. We knew that was possibly in bid talks. Well, it, the bidder seems to be uh, sort of firming up. It's still not an actual offer, but it's now a possible offer at 90p, which management say they would recommend. So that's been a great outcome. I've never really seen any attraction to that share myself, so I've obviously missed a trick with that one, but well done to people who did spot the opportunity. Um, 
Virgin Wines reported an inline trading update, which I looked at on Wednesday. CPP, uh, this is a peculiar little company, 12 million market cap, seems to have been through several iterations of business. Uh, I don't really understand it. I started to have a look at its trading update. It was ahead of expectations and the shares rose 8%. So it might be worth you having a look. I couldn't really get my head around it, so I didn't report on that one. Finally, we had the Begbie's Trainer Red Flag Report. If you want to get particularly depressed, have a read of that. That was for Q4 2023. Obviously, as you can imagine, I haven't read it, but um, I believe it'll almost certainly tell you that insolvencies are increasing and that everything's doom and gloom. Now, I haven't got time to go through the reader comments, but we had some really funny ones this week. The funniest, funniest comment of the week was when we had somebody who was reporting on the job losses at Aberdeen. You know, A-B-R-D-N, they spell it now. Uh, Aberdeen. I always have to say it in a Scottish accent. I don't know why. Aberdeen. Anyway, um, they, uh, they, they're laying off, sadly, 10% of their workforce, making deep cuts to the workforce. And one of the readers commented, I wish I could remember where it was, but one of the readers commented, first they come for your vowels, then they come for your jobs. Oh, God, I thought that was hilarious. Absolutely brilliant. Right, moving on to Tuesday. We had 19 companies on our agenda. And as you know, uh, I put in a comment on nearly all of them. So we really are covering a lot of ground at the moment, I have to say. My boss said to me, do you think it's sustainable, Paul, working at this level? I said, no, it's not sustainable. (laughs) But I said, I can do it for dry January. And then I'm going to take... I'm going to ease off a bit in February and then we're going to do it again, crank it up to the max in March and April reporting, you know, when the results actually start coming out. So I like working in intense bursts like that, but we've got to we've got to back off a bit when it's a bit quieter. We'll go completely round the bend. Right. Crest Nicholson put out its finals. I didn't cover them because I covered the, the trading update only a few days earlier in quite a bit of depth so I thought well I, I doubt there's anything um, the share price didn't move so I thought well, there's probably nothing new in the in the results and we know that it's got an amazing balance sheet house builder Chris Nicholson has but it's rather accident prone there have been quite a few uh, things that have gone wrong which is probably why the market's still quite sceptical on it um, but it looks cheap and it hasn't had that massive rally that a lot of the other house builders have had so I'm, I'm leaning towards the positive side on Chris Nicholson Boku um, 468 million I think it's one of those payment telecoms payment processing companies that one isn't it Bango and Boku I think those two are quite similar never really understood the business models of either of them particularly uh, so I just don't think there's anything I can add by looking at it but anyway it did put out Boku did put out an ahead of expectations trading update and the shares rose 6% so I'm just flagging that to you maybe you can make some sense of that one now Boohoo put out a trading update in line and the CFO steps down unexpectedly and retail uh, uh, what's it called retail gazette was saying that quite a few middle managers at Boohoo have either been sacked or have, have stepped down I don't think anyone really bats an eyelid if the CFO goes at Boohoo because I don't think anybody really expects the company to behave in a particularly particularly ethical way anyway. So, you know, you've got to be realistic, haven't you? They're they're rag traders, they're barrow boys. They, They squeeze out every penny of margin they can. That's the way the business works. So, but anyway, I'm not... I'm not going to touch these fast fashion guys because Xi'an and Timu and other Chinese direct to, to, to consumer people, 
have nicked the margin and it's unfair competition. Until that's resolved, I just the UK uh, companies like Boohoo and ASOS have just got a hand tied behind their back because the Chinese can send parcels into the UK. I think it's below £135 per parcel, direct to consumer, with no import duties. So it's completely unfair. And of course, they're using virtually slave labour in China and you don't get anyone from the Guardian flying out to China and checking the factories, do you? They only... Um, you know, they only attack Boohoo when they find a, a factory in Leicester that's doing um, something untoward. So very, very unfair. Uh, it's a grubby sector. I worked in the sector for eight years. I know how it works. Anyway, <clears throat> but I'm not interested in Boohoo. The moment's passed on that. Too many bad memories <laughs> with losses on it. Henry Boot put out a profit warning, which Graham looked at. Oh, sorry, he's looked at that. Now, you, the electricity uh, a supplier for... Um, for businesses, I think that's that share's done incredibly well. I didn't think I could add any value on that, um, but Gra- Roland looked at it on Friday. But it did come in ahead of expectations. Its trading update and the shares rose rose thirteen percent. So well done to people who spotted that opportunity. Net call, we didn't cover that trading update. That was in line. Uh, the inlines generally we're not covering because there's just too many other stuff that's above or below that's obviously more relevant for us to cover. Chapel Down put out an inline update. That's the wine the English winemaker. Um, Illica, I, I look briefly at its H1 results, hopeless, more losses. The only revenue is basically from grants. It's perpetual jam tomorrow, uh, but it does have plenty of cash. This is um, making small solid state batteries that it's been developing for donkey's years. They're still not uh, in large scale production. It just, you know, these things take so many years to get anywhere. But, you know, maybe its time will come eventually, valued at 59 million. Won't have to raise any cash for a year or two, so because you never know. It's um, it's speculative. Everyman Media, we're not really interested in. This is the uh, posh cinemas with Satis and Table Service, uh, E-M-A-N. It's just in line with expectations, doesn't generate any cash, so I just think it's a rubbish business model. That was in line, but the shares did rise 6%. Starfline put out a... Uh, well, it dropped 10%. So, oh no, profit in line, it says here. Cash ahead. Uh, it's 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 rubbish. It's just a rubbish business staff line. I'm not going to waste our time or yours with it. Uh, only 36 million market cap. Um, Brave Bison trading update I looked at on Thursday. Velocity Composites put out, I don't know anything about that. They put out an inline update. Ocean Harvest Tech, we don't know anything about either. That was up 7% in line board changes and then finally crimson tide put in a poorly worded we've said inline trading update is only 11 million crimson tide's potentially interesting i've got to say um but i wasn't madly impressed with management on a webinar i've got to got to be honest so those are the stuff we glossed over briefly as i say most companies are reporting in line at the moment which is in a way is quite encouraging isn't it but of course what is a profit warning a profit warning is not that necessarily the company's just doing badly it's that they left over optimistic forecasts out there that they're then saying we're missing so the skill, surely, is for companies just to gradually lower their, their the forecasts through the brokers without any sort of fanfare and then just say, oh, we're trading in line with expectations. You know, it's not difficult, is it? Why do companies put out unrealistic uh, 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 forecasts? Because the, the forecasts, the broker forecasts, are the company's forecasts. I've had loads of CEOs and CFOs tell me that. So, you know, this idea of that they're all, you know, the broker, the analysts 
expectations is rubbish. They're the, if they've got a sensible relationship with the company, it's their company's forecast. And we just need more companies to just, you know, to put out realistic forecasts. You want to beat them, not miss them. And so, you know, there's not really any excuse for profit warnings. It's just, I think it's just, it's just bad forecasting, really, and management who don't know their own business very well. So it, for that reason, it is negative. Now, we're doing our mid-morning movers as well. So on Tuesday, I noted three of them. Cornerstone FS rose 9% to 38p on a deal with MasterCard. But it's very volatile, this one. Now, I did flag this one when they were about 12 or 13p, and they doubled. And uh, they more than doubled. They've almost tripled now. And I bought some myself. I was happy to bank my profits at 26, 27p because I thought it went from undervalued to fairly valued. Very interesting news flow though from Cornerstone FS. It's a uh, payment, one of these payments forex type companies. There's lots of them about. I, I, I'm not madly keen on the sector, but we caught a nice move on it anyway. Uh, so yeah, it's launching corporate cards with Mastercard in Q3 of 2024. So that sounds interesting. Also, big technologies, BIG, we reported positively on the profit warning the week before, saying actually we think this thing is cheap now. Lovely trade. It bottomed out about 76p. The readers were discussing it on the day, and it's now £1.14. So it just shows, doesn't it? You know, if you, with some of these things, if you nip in on a profit warning for what is a fundamentally financially strong business, you can, uh, that was a good example of actually where it where overshot on the downside. And the CEO has bought 300,000 shares at £1.6.5p. That's what I flagged up here. Now, she holds 73 million shares, so buying 300k, you could argue, is insignificant but uh, in the context of her, her total holding of 25%. But it sends, I think it's sending, she's sending the market a message, isn't she? She's saying it's oversold. And uh, I think it's worth listening to that. Finally, we looked at Eskin very briefly. No, we didn't look at it, actually. We just commented on it. Eskin, this is the thing that owns, um, used to be Stobart, owns Southend Airport. It's, I, I think the equity is almost certainly worth nothing on this. And it has been, that's been the case for a while. It dropped 48%. Oh, dear, I've just seen a typo. I put down 48% to 48%. Oh, dear. Shocking. Shocking sloppiness, Scott. You know, we don't make many typos, but when we do, I'll have to correct that. Um, now, it's got a serious dispute over a £194 million convertible loan. The lender is trying to call the loan in, which basically said, you know, it says it's toast, I think. So I wouldn't be tempted to, to gamble on that one. What have we got now on the main sections? Alphawave IP, that was it. I looked at this one for the first time. AWE. No idea what it does, but it's some sort of chip designer, I think. So I've been very blunt about this. It's 961 million market cap, been a disastrous 2021 float, lost most of its uh, float value. Uh, I don't like the links with China. I've been very, very open about the fact that I don't understand the technology and I'm not trying to assess the technology or the markets in any way at all. I'm just looking at the numbers because I can see flaws in numbers. That's what that's what I do. Um, so please bear that in mind. I'm not trying to make an assessment of, of how the business will perform in the future because I've got no idea. But I've just said here that I'm red on it. I just don't like it. There are various things in the numbers that uh, ring alarm bells to me. And I'd want to see it actually develop a track record of profits and cash flow generation before I would see it positively. It's not generating cash at the moment. Uh, and it bounced quite strongly on Monday on an inline update, but um, 
the EBITDA doesn't really turn into cash. So that's no good to me. So I at this stage, I'm not um, I'm not sure about AlphaWave IP, so I'm giving it a red just to be on the safe side. But good luck to holders. Benchmark, oh, we've already mentioned that. Yeah, it did a strategic review and put itself, uh, launched a formal sales process. So I'm, I'm amber red on that. I don't, I don't, I don't see any appeal to it at all, actually. But there must be something I'm missing because otherwise it wouldn't be valued at 300 million, would it? Uh, Elico, uh, year-ending trading update was a slight beat. We like this one. It's an interesting company, niche software company. <coughs> I can't go above amber on it, though, because of... Um, I just think it's fully priced. You know, it's on a P of about 20. Uh, Paul Hill likes this one, and he was explaining to me the thing about how it's done a five-year transition to SaaS, which um, replaces one-off licensing revenues with... Uh, recurring, more reliable recurring revenues. I get that. I mean, it's a painful process for shareholders. Do I really want to wait five years for a company to develop recurring revenues? Mm, probably not. Um, it's got plenty of cash on the balance sheet, Eleco has, but that's because it's getting the money from customers paying up front, like a lot of software companies. Overall, the balance sheet is actually quite weak, slightly negative, no tangible asset value. I've just concluded it, nice enough business. But fully priced, so I can't get excited about that. But I do think if Elico, two years forward, if it achieves the forecast, I can see it growing into the valuation and maybe having a bit of a re-rating. So I'm not, I'm not negative on it at all. I think it's a nice business, but I want a bit more, uh, a bit less upside priced in to tempt me to buy uh, shares like that. Now we had a profit warning from one of my fo- one of the shares that was actually on my 2023 watch list. So it's my first profit warning of the year. Yeah, and it's the pawnbrokers H and T, which dropped 15 percent to 339p. You might think, to, why is he being so cheerful about profit warnings? It's because I've been doing small caps for tw- over 25 years, and they happen. You can't avoid them. Now the interesting thing is, in my portfolio of 20, my watch list. Uh, this dropped 15%. Well, that pulls my total average for the whole portfolio down by less than 1%. You know, it's no big deal. In a portfolio of 20 value gap shares, you're going to get a few profit warnings, particularly where macro is tough. And it, sh- in my view, it shouldn't stop us uh, investing because it, within a portfolio approach, some do well, some do badly. It sort of fans out as the year goes on. I accept the occasional profit warning. It's no big deal. Uh, now, Graham, obviously, we colour profit warnings black f- for the spreadsheet so that you can see at a glance where all the profit warnings were. And again, this was very much a case of a failure of the management to uh, put out realistic forecasts. Uh, the results were actually good. Um, this is a trading update, I think, for calendar 2023, showing a good increase in profitability. But it, the, the forecasts were set way too high. So it was a shame because they've had a good year, but they've actually missed their forecast. So we can't, the readers were saying the same thing. We can't understand why they put out such aggressive forecasts. But it's great value. So green on fundamentals, fully balance sheet supported. H&T, the ticket is H80. It's the UK's leading pawnbroker. Porn, porn a lot of people, including me, feel a bit uncomfortable about investing in something like that. But, you know, is it a bit grubby? Is it exploiting people? So on. Well, the reality is some people, even, you know, from a whole range of backgrounds, do sometimes need emergency funding. And uh, the vast, I think 85% of people pay the money back within about 
within two months, I think, or less than two months. Yes, it's high interest on an APR basis, but if you just need, you know, an emergency amount of money for some particular reason, I don't know what, you know, a family emergency or something, and you've got a Rolex sitting in a drawer, that's <coughs> people, um, people borrow against them. And, you know, you could argue that's a useful facility. And they do gold buying and they do, they they sell jewellery and various things. So we, we still, Graham and I both, we think H&T is a very good value share. But it has disappointed against forecasts that were set too high. So we're not that bothered about the, the forecast. It'll, I think the shares will come back up again. Marston's. Now, this was an interesting one. Put out an AGM trading update, the pubs chain. Uh, now, I've got amber red on it to flag the higher risk, M-A-R-S. The issue here is all about financing. It's got a lot of um, freehold pubs, but it's got a massive amount of debt. And so it's all going to be, really, this is a special situation where uh, the debt interest is consuming nearly all the profit and the cash flow. So it's not clear to me how it's going to pay down any of that debt other than through asset disposals. So the equity is only a fraction of the debt. So it's one of those special situations where you've really got to get into the the detail of the terms of the debt. You know, it's quite complicated. So uh, just be aware that if you do get involved in Marston's, it's been a big laggard compared with the other pubs groups, so it could be an opportunity. I don't know, but elevated risk and complications from the debt mountain. So special situation. I don't know which way it'll go. Could go either way with Marston's. I don't have a strong view. Graham looked at Henry Boot, the property developer thing. Now, this was a profit warning as well. Uh, but again, Graham has likes the fundamentals. So we're green on the fundamentals, but we've obviously coded it as black for the profit warning. <coughs> it basically said it's now expecting um, uh, property markets to take longer to recover. But they clearly, they clearly are recovering now. All the house builders are saying... Uh, you know, mortgage rates now, five year fixes starting to just come below 4% again is re energizing demand. So it seems very clear to me now which way the cycle is going and it's heading up. Uh, you just won't see that for a while in the company's accounts. And that's what the share prices of property developers and property generally are telling us. And I had lunch with some of my shrewdest multi millionaire friends on. Um, Thursday, I think it was, who I've been meeting for lunch now for over 20 years. So a great bunch of guys. And I've watched them make squillions over the 20 years I've known them. They're just geniuses, investing gods. <laughs> so I always sit there and, and mainly listen to what they've got to say. And um, <clears throat> and they were, they were saying they're really active in property REITs at the moment. They think there's tremendous value in, in UK property REITs. So there you are. If you want to know what the smart money is doing... It's going into property REITs, so that might be worth uh, a look. Right, on to Wednesday. This is crazy. We had 15 companies reporting, uh, and we did sections on another five backlog items. So we're insanely busy uh, on Wednesday. Was this when Roland... Yes, Roland made a guest appearance, which was great. I love working with Roland and Graham, and they're both fantastic colleagues. Um, <clears throat> so um, anyway, Roland looked at a few things. I looked at a few things. So what did we cover? <clears throat> First of all, the mid-morning movers with news where we just do a single line. Ceres Power Holdings, CWR. This is the hydrogen 
cell electric thing that's uh, on a massive budget, hundreds of millions of cash that it's burning its way through. Now, this recently spiked up on a deal with Delta, which I reported on last week, but it dropped down 21%. It gave back most of that gain on a trading update, uh, saying basically that China JV seems to have failed. And there were delays with deals with Bosch and Doosan, it says. Um, and it's got 140 million cash left, which is burning through that cash at quite a rate. So that was rather disappointing news there on Sarah's power. Not the sort of thing I feel qualified to judge. So I'm just flagging that it dropped 21%, nothing else. Now, Area, a very small floor coverings business, AIEA, I like this share. And it rose 14% to 28p on a strong... Um, calendar 2023 trading update saying strong sales didn't mention profit though but it's spending five million quid which is a lot because this thing's only worth 10 or 12 million i think um, it's spending five million quid on a new factory to meet increased demand and to bring state-of-the-art uh, manufacturing equipment in well that's great isn't it great to hear about some <clears throat> uh, some manufacturing in the uk okay it's only five million quid we need more of that don't we? we need to make more stuff in the uk with automated factories and so on so I think it's a nice little company, and I think this looks interesting. So uh, have a look at area if you do small uh, microcaps. And also, I saw something called Molecular Energies dropped, 50, uh, M-E-N is the ticker, dropped 50% on a deeply discounted fundraise. So I'm only flagging the news. I don't have any opinion on stuff like that. What would, did we do on the main companies we looked at? Aptitude Software, APTD, <coughs> uh, was an inline update, which I'm Amber on. Uh, finance company, finance software company, uh, looks okay. Yeah, aptitude software, plenty of cash. Um, could be upside, I've said here, if Can Accord's forecast growth is met. S4 Capital, oh dear, Sir Martin Sorrell's outfit. God, what a, what a, what a crock this has turned out to be. You know, I'm sorry, but an old man in a hurry trying to relive past glories. Hasn't worked so far. Q4 trading update was in line, but bear in mind it put out, God, what, about three or four profit warnings last year? Uh, what's interesting about it is digital marketing, S4 Capital. He bought, I think he overpaid for a whole bunch of digital marketing companies, took on too much debt. It's now got a, a very weak negative net tangible asset balance sheet and it's not trading very well. And it's having to scale back. So, yeah, a bit of a disaster at this stage. But could the Sir Martin sort of sheen over it all come back again? It's entirely possible. Uh, just look at the shares and see... You know, got to a multi-billion valuation on, on hype, really, uh, a couple of years ago. You know, sometimes when you've got a very big name boss, you know they can they can they can uh, they can get the, the the upbeat stuff going again. Who knows? I don't know. I wouldn't write it off anyway. That's all I'm saying. But on fundamentals, if it didn't have the Martin Sorrel factor, I wouldn't go near it. But anyway, the outlook comments for 2024 were surprisingly gloomy. Um, it says he says it no macro recovery expected in the marketing um, area, which I I'm surprised at because we've we've seen actually more upbeat comments from smaller uh, marketing companies. But there we are. He says the clients are still being cautious. I don't like this share, so I'm red on S4 Capital. World Chess, as I mentioned before, red. I had a quick look at it. 40 million market gap. Looks absolute rubbish. This floated in April 2023. 
uh, raised three million quid, which it burnt through within two months, paying off debt and on operational losses. It's just absolute rubbish. Um, God knows why that floated. So I wouldn't... I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. You know, you don't have to agree with me. I'm only looking at the numbers. If I've missed something important, World Chess is actually a marvellous growth business, then do let me know, because we don't have a... We don't have a fixed opinion. We change our mind when the facts change. It's important to emphasise that. Maintail Holdings, MAI, put out a very good ahead of expectations trading update. I like this a lot. I liked everything about it until I got to the balance sheet, which is terrible. Heavily negative net tangible asset value, far too much debt. Um, so, you know, ignore balance sheet risk. And you might do fine, or you might end up in a sticky situation. You've got to be... I, I'm just... Don't shoot the messenger. Please. I'm just, you know, I'm just telling you the facts and figures. That you you weigh it all up and make up your own mind about what risk you want. But it's a nice update. They're trading well. <clears throat> Looks a really good recovery situation, Maintel does. It restructured in H1 of 2023, and that seems to have delivered much better performance in H2. So I like the trading update, but don't like the balance sheet. Probably not a deal breaker, I have to say, the balance sheet. But you just never know, do you? You, you are taking on additional risk if you if you buy into a share where it's got a wobbly balance sheet that depends on bank debt. So I just flag the risk, you decide. Virgin Wines, no, I'm amber green on this. I think this is so cheap now, trading update. It's obviously disappointed in the past, but there are signs of life here. It's still profitable. <clears throat> it segregates the client cash. It's obviously a subscription wine service, Virgin Wines is. V-I-N-O, very nice ticker. Much, much better than Naked Wines, I think. Naked, in terms of company fundamentals, Naked Wines has been uh, an absolute mess for a long time now. I just don't think it's a very good business model, and it's swimming in its own wine lake of ridiculous inventories. Virgin Wines seems much more tightly run. I've said here, it's not the best business in the world, but it is profitable again. It seems to be recovering from a logistics uh, problem where it put in a new uh, warehouse system. But the warehouse systems often seem to go wrong, don't they, at smaller companies? And they put in a new distribution system, you think, oh, God, you know, that means there'll be uh, all sorts of chaos. And, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for just selling a share regardless if they say they're implementing a new, a new IT system because they very often go badly wrong. But anyway, I think it's really cheap, Virgin Wines, very securely financed. Possible takeover bid target. I don't see why it would be listed now. It's only 21 million market cap. So I think I think anyone soldiering on with, with Virgin Wines is probably going to do OK in the end. Um, but we don't know. We're not we're not time travelling from the future. So we're just guessing what happens in the future. For Terra, this is one of the brick makers. There are three or four of them on the London market. Uh, 340 million market cap. Now it rose 2% on an ahead of expectations trading update. Quite surprising given that demand's down a lot. Uh, Roland had a look at that one. He thinks it's okay. I, I agree, but we are we are wondering if maybe a bit too much recovery is all already priced in. Don't know. I looked at JB, JD Weatherspoon um, inline trading update. <coughs> I think the update was reassuring. Like for like sales growth is about 10% year to date. So, you know, they're saying that the pensioners are coming back in um, into the pubs because people, you know, don't feel the need to socially distance anymore, which is great news. Uh, in line with expectations, it's a July 2024 year end. I said here that I think the shares have had a great run. I think it's fully priced now, JD Weatherspoon. 
Um, but I'm still smarting a bit from the fact that I was trying to get in below six quid and it's now eight quid, eight quid, eight pound 40. <laughs> but I'm not going to overpay for it. So I'm, I'm not going to buy into 1.05 billion market cap on Witherspoon. Lovely business. And I think they've got scope to raise their prices. It's still so cheap there, you know. If they put 5% on the prices, I don't think the customers would really notice. But you'd dramatically increase, in, increase your profitability. So they've got that scope that other bars groups haven't got because J.D. Weatherspoon prices are something like 40% on average lower. And the bars are fine, you know. The people are snobby about them. I, uh, I, when I wasn't doing dry jam running, I, I was a regular at my local Weatherspoon, the Mary Shelley, in um, Bournemouth, and it's it's perfectly uh, nice. You know, it's the sort of place where you can take your mum for fish and chips, which I did. And it's nice to go there for Sunday lunch, spread the paper out on the table, and have breakfast on your own. And you see loads of people doing that. It's a, it's a good setup. They they're just busy all day. That's how they achieve the low prices, and I like that as a as a as a moat as a business model. Phonics Mobile, I really, really like FNX. They, they do the, um, the phone-in things for TV shows. Uh, I had another look at that. Very nice trading update, positive. And they expect the full year, June 2024, to be marginally ahead of expectations. Um, and Cavendish slightly raises forecast. It's fully priced, but it's a great quality business. So um, I said like that like a GTJ, didn't I? Great quality business. <laughs> so I think I think Phonics Mobile is a great company. Yeah, I really like that one. And they haven't put a foot wrong since they listed, you know. And you've also got the tantalising thing of overseas expansion because they can service it all. It doesn't require any capex to speak of. Can actually be serviced from the cloud. So you know, I wonder what other countries they could go into. Maybe English-speaking countries. Maybe Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. Canada, I don't know. But uh, that is the wild card with Phonics. Yes, you're paying um, a full price for it now, but it's proven with Ireland that it can launch international expansion. I know the Irish market's relatively small, but it really hit the ground running with Ireland, you know, and got almost immediate results there. So there could be something there with Phonics. Very nice quality business. And it pays lovely divvies as well. Finally, uh, Roland looked at Hargreaves Services. I was very relieved when he chose that one. That used to be the coal distributor. Now it's industrial services of various kinds. I've never really understood it properly. It takes too long to analyse, so I was glad he, he chose that one. Dividend yield in excess of 8%, and it's nicely asset-backed. So Roland uh, likes that one. So have a look at Hargreaves Services. Other companies reporting that we didn't put anything other than a brief comment on was Next15 and 800 million. I think that's a marketing group. That was inline trading statement. Most things are reporting in line at the moment. TI Fluid, these are in descending market cap order. 717 million engineering parts supplier was slightly ahead of expectations, so that's good. AB Dynamics, we like that one a lot. That serves the car industry with all sorts of specialist development equipment. Um, FY24 Outlook is in line with expectations. Uh, Paypoint put out an inline update. I know a lot of the readers like that because it's a nice value share with good divvies. It does look interesting, I think, Paypoint, P-A-Y, so that's worth a look. Lord's Trading Group, um, they supply niche building products, an acquisitive group. That was in line. 
but the shares dropped 6%. Don't know why. Now, Frankel Topping, we didn't get around to looking at. Sorry about that. That's a specialist asset management group. That was a profit warning, so I don't know what's gone wrong there. Zoo Digital put out yet another profit warning, but I looked at that later in the week, so we'll come on to that. And Pario, I didn't get around to looking at. That was up 7% on an ahead of expectations update, so that might be worth a look. Vanel uh, put out an inline update. System One put out an ahead of expectations update, which I covered on Friday, so we'll come on to that. NAHL, this is one of those ambulance chasing, ch- chasing type businesses, 28 million market cap. That was ahead of expectations. Again, sorry, we didn't get around to looking at that, but anything that's ahead of expectations is worth you having a look at, so that's why I'm flagging it. And Revolution Bars put out a, a profit warning, I'm afraid, dropped 20% to 3.1p. I'm not currently in that one. Um, I do think it's really very high risk now because it's got all this bank debt. It's still, um, it's lowered expectations for the year. It just said, you know, Christmas was quite good, but January has been slow. So they've lowered their expectations for the rest of the year for June 2024. It's looking very marginal. The poor business, you know, do they need, they're shutting eight of the roughly 60 odd core bars. You know, I just think the format now is, is, is... Stale, you know, younger people are not drinking as much. I saw some data that showed that the, what was it, was it the under 25s? A third of them now are teetotal, which is great, isn't it? Um, why, you know, why why spend all your time plastered and saying and doing silly things? I know it's, <laughs> I've spent most of my life doing that. But yes, it's fun, but it can also go horribly wrong, uh, as we know. But anyway, you know, you're up again. And it used to be 20% were teetotal, apparently, uh, 20, 30 years ago. It's now 33% of teetotal. Well, that's a big headwind. You've also got them going to experiential leisure bars like XP Factory. And Revolution Bars always say that young people have been hit disproportionately by the cost of living crisis. No, they haven't. I just don't think that's true. The customers are going elsewhere or they're staying in their hall of residence and getting some titties in. That's the problem. The offer isn't uh, attractive enough to get people out. And they're having to now put all uh, refurbs, which basically means maintenance capex, on hold because um, they're, they're that tight for cash. Still slightly positive EBITDA on the old basis, so but it's really struggling, I think. So I think, I, think, I think the equity could be worth nothing on Revolution Bars. Or you could multi-bag. You just don't know with it, do you? Bank are being very cooperative, though, so no immediate crisis. I just don't know with Revolution Bars. I don't want to... It's not a sleep-at-night share, so I'm, I'm, I'm steering clear. Thursday's report, so this is the 25th of January. There were 21 companies on our agenda. Oh, my God. Absolutely crazy. And we did four backlog companies. So let me launch into the... Oh, the mid-morning movers on top, another three. Titan Holdings dropped, TON dropped 11% on uh, its September 2023 results. Uh, It made another loss, 0.8 million. It's, I think, Building Products Group. Um, The loss was... Uh, what was down 33% was that the loss or the oh I don't know what that was anyway weak outlook but Titan Holdings very strong balance sheet I looked at that and really strikingly strong balance sheet so something might happen there 
you know, they've got the scope to do takeovers and that sort of thing. Now, St. James's Place, that's quite big for us, 3.7 billion market cap. I just flagged that it dropped 9% on a funds under management update, which the market obviously didn't like. I had a quick look at it. I couldn't see what was wrong with it myself, but I decided not to do a more detailed comment because... Um, sorry, just need to shift position here. Ooh. I haven't got a proper desk in London, so I have to literally sit on the floor. <laughs> what uh, what we were saying? Oh yes, funds uh, funds under management for St James's Place. Uh, the shares dropped nine percent. So obviously the market didn't like something about that. Now IG Index, the spread betting group, IGG market leader, that dropped eight percent to seven pound twelve, two point eight billion market cap. Now I thought these results were pretty poor actually. H one results. Profit before tax was down 21%, despite a huge increase in interest received on client funds. Now, the problem with that is that the regulator is quite hot on that at the moment and saying is basically telling these companies that are suddenly generating huge finance income, well, you should be giving that, or at least a lot of it, to the client, to the clients, if you're making interest on their money. But the spread bet companies always traditionally made their money from the client's cash. You know, I remember 15, 20 years ago, that, that was their business model. It, it was basically all the trading and all that stuff just about washed its face. But where they made their money was earning interest on the client funds and not giving it to the clients, basically. So that is the business model of the spread betting companies. So it'll be interesting to see how the regulatory side of things pans out. I've got to speed up here. Brave Bison, BBSN, readers persuaded me to have a look at that. Um, £28 million marketing company. This looks really interesting. Have a look at this one. Trading update came out on 23rd of January. It was ahead of expectations. I like it. Um, I'm not saying I know that much about the business, but it's profitable. It's beaten market expectations for 2023 trading. It's got cash in the bank and some impressive client wins. So I've marked this green and uh, looks worth a closer look. So, and the shares are about 20% cheaper than they were this time last year, despite a good performance. Maybe people want to keep away from marketing companies because of, you know, the negative macro outlook. But whatever Brave Bison's doing, it seems to be doing, it seems to be working. So have a look at that one if you do micro caps. Could be of interest there. Uh, now, Watkin Jones, this is obviously the buy, the, sorry, the build to rent property developer that specialised mainly in student accommodation. Now, I unfortunately, I, I stupidly put this on my 2023 watch list and it performed very poorly. It should never have been on the watch list because I correctly predicted it was going to issue a profit warning. So God knows why I put it on the list, but I did. I had a brainstorm. And you can't go back on it. If you publish a list, that's it. It's out there. Anyway, so I, I you know, I've, I've got a pretty sort of jaundiced view of it. Uh, profits collapse. They forecast really badly. They were consistently over-optimistic with their forecasting. But I've had a look through the September 2023 results and I actually think it looks better than I, or not as bad as I thought. I think the balance sheet risk is okay. Uh, it's got net tangible asset value supporting 97% of the share, share price. There was a very long detailed going concern note, which basically said, you know, if we breach our bank covenants, we can pay off all the bank debt from land sales. I thought, well, that's quite interesting, isn't it? That shifts risk or reward very strongly more in their favour. And the bank will know that. And the bank presumably has got security over the land 
So I can't see why the bank would uh, pull the plug on it. The only thing is it's been very accident prone and it's had to make substantial provisions for remedial work due to the fire safety issues that have affected uh, the whole building sector, all this cladding after the tragedy at, at, at Grenfell. But anyway, I felt overall I couldn't... I was a bit of a coward. I didn't go above... I felt I couldn't go above Amber on Watkin Jones. But maybe I should have gone towards Amber Green, because I think at 48p per share, I think the bad news is in the price, and there could now be a turnaround. So if you t- can take on a little bit more risk, then maybe have a look at Watkin Jones. Uracell is one of my uh, favourite building supply companies. It makes UPVC windows and all that sort of thing. Inline trading update. Um, I like that. Very, very nice balance sheet. It started doing £5 million of buybacks. Good dividend yield. Uh, I think here it's attractively priced for a macro recovery. So I like Uracell, E-C-E-L. Mind you, I've been saying I liked it for a while and, it, and the shares have gone nowhere, so I don't know. <clears throat> there could be another profit warning. You just don't know. We don't know where the bottom will be hit for these building supplies companies. So possibility of another profit warning. Foxton's, very nice update for Foxton's, the London-centric um, estate agent. Uh, I'm amber green on that. But it, and, uh, very impressive, 19% beat against market expectations. So the turnaround there is really worth no doubt about that. But the shares have already gone up a lot and anticipated that. They're about 53p, whereas you could get them for about 35p not long ago. So I'm just wondering if maybe it's had, you know, it's re-rated. It should have re-rated, but, you know, I think it's probably fairly valid. But I still like it, so I'm amber green on Foxton's. Sigma Rock, Roland looked at, so see Thursday's report for that. I've got to speed up. Mortgage Advice Bureau, uh, Roland looked at it, he quite likes that one. Dr. Martins, I looked at. Trading update was in line, but they've had a series of profit warnings last year. I think they've got problems here. I'm amber red on Dr. Martins. <coughs> um, too many inventories and too much bank debt. So I think something something isn't right there to be down. For, for Q3, Q3 revenues to be down 21%, that's more than just a few little minor problems, isn't it? That's saying to me the customers have gone off the product. So, yeah, fashion, fashion-based fashion uh, uh business so uh, private equity seemed to made made a right hash of running it as they often do and you group now this was roland this is the electricity thing he looked at um this is from the backlog uh, remarkable progress since 2022 i'm not convinced the profits are sustainable i know i've been saying this for ages and the shares are five backed so i've been completely wrong on the shares but i think i'm probably going to be proven right on the business model because you know they're making they're making super normal profits because of the energy crisis in my opinion i've not seen anything to suggest that they've got some sort of secret source that means they can make a ton of money um, when other people don't. The, basically, the government's letting these electricity providers make big profits so that they don't go bust. Um, <clears throat> and whatever these guys are doing on their hedging and all the rest of it, it's working. So hats off to them. They're doing uh, they're doing a very good job. Uh, I'm just not convinced when markets normalise that they've got uh, a secret source, as I say. And in the past, look at the long-term chart. It's absolutely crashed in price before once so good luck with it but I'd, I'd be a bit bit careful on you finally i looked at holford's um now down three percent on a q3 trading update that seemed all right to me don't know why people have fallen out of love with holford's well i know the cycling sector is very tough at the moment i think the shares are quite interesting so i'm actually amber green on uh holford's quickies we had cvs the uh 
the controversial Vets Group that's been accused of price gouging customers. 1.2 billion market cap. Inline trading update for H1, but no news on the CMA investigation, which is Com- Competition and Markets Authority. Uh, Fever Tree is in line with expectations trading update. Uh, what have we not covered? Oh, PPHE Hotels, I did the next day. Green Core was in line, that's 488 million market cap. Uh, NCC was in line, interim results. Treat, I think I covered on Friday. Uh, Team 17, that's one of the computer games thing, that was in line and that rose 5%. I might be worth having a look at. IDOX, computer software, was in line. Fuller Smith and Turner, one of the brewers, was in line. Bear in mind the market cap on that is wrong because of the different. Uh, the data provider flatly refused to change it to what it should be because the different classes of shares have got different um, economic rights. So you can't just add up the total number of shares. It's completely wrong. The market cap's actually much, much smaller than it appears on the stock report at. So that's an ongoing bugbear. Strix, which I don't like, uh, put out a vague trading update. Not clear if it met expectations or not, so that's badly worded. Epwin, I, I wanted to look at Epwin, but I didn't get round to it. Same with Animal Care. Animal Care went up 6% on a trading update. They're both around 100 million market gap. Aquis Exchange put out uh, an inline update. That's about 100 million market cap. The, the junior market below AIM. It's never worked in the past in all its different incarnations. Maybe it will this time, I don't know. Personal group holdings, um, I don't really like the business model there. That was in line, it rose 5%. And Time Finance said it would be at least in line with expectations. Then Empresaria put out a trading update. But again, we've had so much on, we couldn't cover everything. Right, on to Friday, 26th of January. This is when I was sick, I was in bed all day. But luckily, I prepared four sections the night before. So that was... uh, <coughs> a total fluke. So I, all I did was got up, copy-pasted what I'd written the day, the day before. Didn't even properly format it, but at least it gave people a report. And it's still got 159 thumbs. So um, if people did notice that I didn't put an agenda in and cover any news of the day, they didn't seem too perturbed. So thank you for that. So what did I look at? I looked at... Um, oh dear, yeah, no, I haven't... Ah, PPHE Hotels. Uh, this is interesting. PPH owns some quite nice big-name hotels, 521 million market cap. The downside is I think it's really got too much debt, um, but it is trading well. You know, the KPIs are looking good, and it's reported EBITDA above previously upgraded expectations. I think this one's quite interesting. I forgot to include the point that the balance sheet values are not upgraded, and they report uh, EPRA NAV separately, which is coming out at some later point. So I think what they're basically saying is... Uh, you know, at market value, the property is worth a lot more than balance sheet value. But I think you've got to question that as how much a property is actually worth, given that property values have crashed a lot when interest rates went up. But anyway, I think PPH is is worth a look. It's a in- bit of a special situation. So I've said here, I'm amber green. Uh, needs a lot more work to properly understand it, I'd say. System one, this was the ahead of expectations update from earlier in the week. I think this looks really good. They've increased full-year guidance. The ticket is SYS1. It does a decision-making platform for marketing companies. Um, some very nice points in its update. 
it's one of those things that looks like it might be at an inflection point where its business is starting to take off. Because for quite a few years, it's been funding a, a, a blue sky type of the losses of a blue sky type of project. Is it now coming good? I don't know, but I think it's worth doing some more work on it. Have a look at it, System 1. It's said that statutory profit before tax should be comfortably above £2 million and materially ahead of current consensus. So we like ahead of expectations updates. I think I think System 1 has already gone up a lot. And I'm sorry, I've said here we were a bit too cautious about this one. They've previously they've put out two positive upgrades before, and me and Graham both sat on the fence, our amber on it. We should have been gung ho on it when the when the good news started. I think so. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, we don't get it. Obviously, we don't get everything right, not by a long shot. Sixty forty, we probably get right, and that's that's all you need. Uh, you, you know, anyone who likes to think they're getting everything right is full of BS. Nobody gets everything right. Um, <clears throat> Zoo Digital, yet another profit warning. I think I'd be, I must have been feeling very relaxed when I wrote this because I've gone amber on it, but basically because, you know, it's just they've had all this terrible news and repeat profit warnings over the Hollywood strikes. Uh, because it's a dubbing company that does dubbing. I don't think it's a very good business model. I should have gone amber red, I think, really. But I want to give it the chance of, of staging a recovery. But it's And it's said that it, you know business is recovering now from the Hollywood strikes with everything coming back. But it's taking longer than expected. So they're saying it's just a, you know more delays rather than actual loss of permanent loss of profits. And it, sees, it says the pipeline is consistent with market expectations for FY25. But, you know, do we really believe the management, given that they've consistently underestimated the downside problems? I don't know. I just I just don't think it's very good, Zoo Digital, so I think I'd be more than fair marking at Amber. But it's still got 8.9 million in cash left. OK, that was pretty much it for the week. Now, there are a few things I didn't cover on Friday from Friday's news, so I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to have a look at those at some point later today. I think the super dry results, but I can tell you straight away, absolute rubbish, probably going to go bust. Then there was, um, what else was there? Oh, there were a few other things. Just to clarify, finally, on National World, a reader picked me up on my comments last week where I said, oh, they said it was ahead of expectations and it wasn't. What? Well, just to clarify that, what I meant was uh, they did say it was ahead of expectations, but the broker um, hasn't changed their... Uh, forecasts at all so normally for something to be properly ahead of expectations I expect the broker to, to upgrade as well and they didn't with National World but it's fair to say as the reader did point out the company did actually say in the update that they're ahead of expectations um, <clears throat> so I just wanted to clarify on that point I was maybe unfairly harsh on that Plexus still my biggest holding I'm very happy with Plexus um, fully financed now for, I think, at least 18 months after the licensing deal, which the market saw uh, negatively. I think it's. Um, I think the market's made a mistake on that. I was pleased to see that Plexus put out, I think it was on Monday, um, a clarification update saying, look, here's some more information about the licensing deal we did with Slumberger, and this is all the stuff that we... Um, you know, it, we're not selling off. We haven't sold off the family silver. We've, you know, this was non-core, and it gets the it gets the it gets the technology out there to hopefully become the industry standard in the high volume sector of the market. And Plexus will then get all the special work. You see, because Schlumberger doesn't want to do the special work; it just passes it on. There's very close relationship between Schlumberger and, and Plexus. So, you know, at some point, it would make sense for Ple for Schlumberger to just buy it, wouldn't it? 
uh, if the price is right, great, you know. But I think I think Plexus, uh, you know, it's only fifteen or sixteen million market cap, which, considering it's going to make three and a half million profit this year, yes, on one-offs, I fully accept that. But the revenue is going to go up tenfold. When people see those numbers, I think people are going to look at it again. It's not expensive, uh, fifteen million market cap, in my view. But I'm talking my own book, and if somebody accused me of promoting, heavily promoting it. I'm not. I'm just telling telling you the facts. You know, telling you what's in an RNS is not promoting a company, is it? Um, so anyway, um, yeah, I'm still really keen on it. I think there's a big opportunity there, but it depends on them winning more contracts. You know, the the upside case is that we could be off to the moon on on that one with um, the the environmental backing for its for for need for its products. You know, the downside case is that you know the 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 licensing deal and the eight million pound major contract one in twenty twenty three are just one offs and it fizzles back down again which would mean it would then have to raise more equity probably in twenty twenty five or twenty six although it's okay for cash at the moment of course and it's using its net cash at the moment strongly net cash so I think the the, the problem the most likely outcome is somewhere in the middle isn't it between those two extremes um, but I think fifteen sixteen million market cap. Uh, with it fully funded for cash now, I think I think risk rewards good. Now, finally, I just want to mention a, a Vox Market uh, market uh, a, a, sorry fund manager interview with Singers. Uh, it was their macro guy, and I have to say, it was music to my ears. Everything he was saying was confirming my macro outlook. Now he's and he knows much more than I do, of course, because he's a professional focusing on macro, whereas I just pick up snippets from the papers, really, and from the the INS website and things like that. Now he said inflation is set to spike from four percent to five percent on the next reading on short-term data, because that's what, you know, because of the annualising effect and various one-offs and so on. He said we've got to brace ourselves for a very negative uh, possible reaction to January's inflation reading, which is going to come through in about two weeks. So that was interesting. But he then said he thinks in April there will be a big, big drop in in the inflation reading because of uh, annualised effects. And he said it's going to be within below 2%. By April's reading, which will come in in May. Well, if if he's right, that's staggeringly good news. That means interest rates can safely come down from five and a quarter. I think they're at five and a quarter, aren't they? To what? Maybe three, three and a half percent, which means mortgages will get you. That's really good news if he's right on this inflation reading. He also confirmed the point that I believe very strongly that you've got enormous stimulus for the consumers starting to happen from now, because we're getting the 2% pay rise from the NIC cut, national insurance cut, uh, at the end of January, that's kicking in now. Then in April, you've got huge increases in living wage and pensions, 9.8% and 8.5%, at a point when at inflation, he reckons, will be down to 2%. So those are, those are 7%, 8% real-terms increases in people's um, incomes. That's going to be huge for consumer confidence. The consumer confidence numbers, the GFK numbers, are already at a two-year high. That is, they're still negative, but they're always negative. <coughs> so imagine what's going to happen to the consumer confidence numbers, which are already on this very good improving trend, when people suddenly get all these um, big dollops of extra disposable income coming in. The March the 6th budget, uh, the singers analyst was saying, will be another giveaway budget, almost certainly, as the Tories desperately try to cling on. Um, 
So the outlook looks actually really, looks way more positive than it has done, I think, at any time since the pandemic started, I would I would argue. And it was really good to hear the singer's analyst spelling all this out and confirming that it's not just me um, being a sort of permable, which I'm not, incidentally, uh, but, uh, you know, there are, there are fa- the PMIs uh, were quite positive, I think, the forward-looking economic data. Uh this is really looking interesting because it's now looking like, um, you know, the, the, the inflation was a spike. It was a bloody big spike, but it was a spike. And with interest rates heading down, you know, this, that's really good for equities. It's really good for all asset values. I think we could be in for an absolute golden year this year. I really do. Based on these facts and figures, not just based on a hunch. This is all supported by solid evidence. Yes, forecasts. He may not be right about the 2% inflation forecast but really really positive macro stuff i'm seeing now but we've got to get through maybe a three or four month period where we are seeing some companies warning on profits we are seeing some companies cutting back aren't we and restructuring the jobs market's definitely softening but we want that to happen so that so that the bank can safely lower interest rates uh Right, that I've gone on far too long, haven't I? So I'll wrap it up there. Thanks very much for your support, as always. Really appreciate it. And I'll be back next week. Bye for now. Bye. Well, it didn't come out right. Bye. <laughs> got croaky. Too much talking.